Hello, everyone, and welcome to the GovCon Judicata podcast, a show providing news, insights, and legal analysis on a variety of issues in the government contracting space. It's also the home of the Bid Protest podcast segment, where we discuss GAO and Court of Federal Claims bid protest decisions, topics, and trends. My name is Joshua Duvall, and I'm your host, and I want to thank you for joining us on today's episode of the GovCon Judicata podcast. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the GovCon Judicata podcast. My name is Joshua Duvall, and I'm glad you've joined us today for this update to the CMMC. That's the Cybersecurity Maturity Model Certification. I hope everyone out there listening is safe and healthy. Hope your families and friends are safe and healthy uh, with this COVID-19 floating through the air, so to speak. And if you're listening and you're out there and you're, uh, by the nature of your job, having to work, or if you have family or relatives that are, by the nature of their jobs, uh, out and about working and are unable to social distance, I say thank you for for doing that. And that includes folks at the restaurants and grocery stores and hospitals, doctors, nurses, and janitors, first responders, uh, military, and so on and so forth. I just want to give you a shout out for doing that. Uh, We're doing our best here to uh, social distance to help sort of flatten the curve, so to speak. And so getting to the podcast today, some three weeks ago, I provided an introduction to the Cybersecurity Maturity Model Certification. And since then, a lot has changed in the world and a lot has changed, I think. Uh, More information has come out. There have been a couple of webinars that I uh, was able to watch uh, most recently on Friday uh, from the GovCon Chamber of Commerce. So shout out to Neil McDonald for organizing this webinar on the CMMC. Uh, There's a recording available on their website now. And that panel had folks from industry, uh, Ms. Viva Vermani and Ms. Catherine Deming, as well as some folks from the Department of Defense, Ms. Katie Arrington, Ms. Stacy Boschanik, and Ms. Sherry Savage. And uh, this was a highly informative uh, webinar. I got a lot of information out of it, a lot of um, a lot of good content, including if you're a small business and you're looking to the PTAX uh, for guidance, uh, Miss Sherry Savage is the DLA PTAP program manager, and she's been working with the PTAC offices to, to get them up to speed with this. So I'm not going to talk about that on today's podcast. However, uh, I urge you to watch the recording. It's about 90 minutes. There's a lot of useful information in there, and it's worth listening to for sure. I was also able to track down a webinar from earlier in the month at the Maryland Innovation and Security Institute. Uh, Katie Arrington was also part of that, and there was a panel there too. So I was able to catch that on YouTube as well, and as sort of my uh, preparation for today's podcast, so to speak. And so with that out of the way, let's break it down into two parts here. I'm going to first talk about the CMMC accreditation body and then turn to the CMMC. And so... With the CMMC accreditation body, the Department of Defense has signed the MOU with uh, the CMMC-AB. That's a Memorandum of Understanding. That will be provided a press release for that this week sometime. Uh, And uh, that's some great news. Things are moving forward. We're we're not stopping here, even though we've got uh, COVID-19 sort of interrupting the way in which we conduct business. Another update here, uh, as many of you might be aware, there's going to be some sort of marketplace on the CMMC-AB. That's where you can sign up to get an assessment, sign up to become a trainer, a third-party assessor, 
And look, if you're already conducting these assessments uh, as a, in, a, in a consulting capacity for companies, uh, there'd be a conflict of interest to be the assessor for the companies that you're consulting. So they'll have some rules in place to prevent those type of conflicts of interest. Uh, there's also going to be some sort of list of approved products. Uh, not quite sure where they're going with that. But that's something to keep an eye out for. Uh, there will be a database of certified contractors. Sounds like that might be on the accreditation body. Uh, uh, some sort of non-public uh, in nature due to the security risk. So that'll be there. It sounds like they're going to be building that. And uh, assessors are going to be visiting your office. They're going to be knocking on your door, so to speak. And that is uh, sort of part of the process, but also uh, in DOD's words, to buy down the risk of foreign ownership and uh, shell companies. So uh, if you thought you were just going to email your system security plan to the third-party assessor, that's not how it's going to work. And finally, uh, currently there are no certified third-party assessors out there, and so just be wary of that. Folks are making representations, uh, probably just in their marketing, uh, but as of now, there isn't a third-party assessor that can do this. So just be careful uh, with that when you're when you're meeting with folks. And so with that update to the CMMC accreditation body out of the way, let's next turn to the CMMC. Now before I begin here, I just want to throw a shout out to three people. Uh, Emily Harmon at emilyharmon.com, Jonathan Hard at H2L Solutions, that's h2lsolutions.com, and Ben McMartin, uh, Public Spend Forum, that's at publicspendforum.net, and uh, they were kind enough to donate some of their time. I had some questions pop up as I was recording initially over the weekend and doing some research. Uh, I thought to postpone the podcast a little bit because I wanted to get a little bit of insight from folks in industry and they were kind enough to have some conversations with me. So thank you all. With respect to the CMMC, also uh, Department of Defense released version 1.02 last week on the 18th. I believe it was published on the 19th. But uh, those were uh, that's a new update. Uh, according to the errata, 15 administrative changes were made. Now those are not... Uh, critical and they're not substantive changes and so even though they are administrative in nature it's worth making sure that you're using the right document when you're uh, discussing the CMMC so version 1.02 is out that's March 18th and so turning now to what I learned during the webinar DOD has said that they're still on target to have 15 Pathfinder contracts to have the CMMC as a go-no-go threshold by sometime this fall And so that remains undisturbed, notwithstanding the fact that there are issues with teleworking and and, uh, there's a new era, so to speak, during this COVID-19 pandemic that we're dealing with. DOD has not slowed down. They are still on target for that. Uh, DOD has said that they're in the process of its rulemaking change. And so what they're doing is going to be pushing out a proposed rule sometime in the next month or two, uh, and then have that hopefully be a final rule sometime this fall when the CMMC is rolled out. Uh, Notwithstanding that development, DFARS 252.204-7012, this Safeguarding Covered Defense Information and Cyber Incident Reporting Clause, remains undisturbed, and that is still the law of the land right now. So if you are a defense contractor, and this is in your contract, or you see it in an RFP tomorrow, uh, you've still got to self-certify compliance with the 110 controls under NIST Special Publication 800-171, or at least have a POAM to achieve the remaining balance if, say, you only have 100 out of 110. You have a a way of achieving those last 10, and they can see that. When the CMMC is in place, however, 
there will be no POAMs. You will have to have all of the requirements to be eligible to have the certification at whatever level you're going for. So just be aware of that. This is the law of the land. Uh, we don't know if DOD is going to replace this reference to 171 in the DFARS clause with CMMC level 3, because as you know, CMMC level 3 contains the 110 controls under this special publication 800-171, plus an additional uh, 20 controls for a total of 130, and that gets you able to handle controlled and classified information under this CMMC model. And so uh, will they do that? Will they have other uh, regu regulations that address levels 1, uh, two, four, and five. Uh, how is that going to work out? We're, we're hoping to see a little bit more uh, from DOD on that end. Uh, in addition, the Department of Defense also mentioned that any type of contractor or program you're going to be working on a DOD is going to require this certification. And they mentioned uh, OTAs and SIBRs and all this other thing. So if you're going after other transactions, uh, that is something that you will have to have you'll be required to have a third-party assessment of your cybersecurity, and, and hopefully you'll be at the, the appropriate level as determined by uh, what is required for the OT. But if you're going after prototyping work to production work or cutting-edge research and development, so to speak, you may be at a, a higher threshold. So bear that in mind. Uh, because uh, OTs, other transactions, are not procurement uh, contracts or grants or cooperative agreements, uh, they're generally not subject to the laws and regulations of federal procurement, uh, and that includes the FAR and the DFARS, among others. So uh, we will be likely seeing some other information coming out of DOD with respect to uh, other transactions. So that's something to bear in mind and just be on the lookout for. And so with that out of the way, let's next turn to the five levels of the CMMC and the update with respect to that. And so to begin here, it's worth uh, putting in your mind 300,000 defense contractors. That's what they believe are the number of contractors in the defense industrial base. And also 15,000 or so, so just just shy of 15,000 are the number of cleared defense contractors according to the Department of Defense. And so what DOD is saying is uh, they anticipate the majority, some 90 to 95% of defense contractors will be at level one. Uh, and they don't anticipate really anyone having a level two. I mean, obviously, some smaller businesses will get a level two because if they're working their way up. But DOD said uh, that level two is a building block and will not be in RFPs. That was from the webinar, level two, not in RFPs. And so if we look at the 300,000 figure and say uh, 15,000 or so are the, the level three cleared defense contractors, uh, that is about 5%, right? Um, so what we have now is the remaining 95% being a level 1 or a level 2. But again, level 2, DOD says, is not going to be in an RFP. Whether or not a, a, a prime contractor flows down to a level 2 uh, remains to be a different story. But that's the number for level 1. Um, another interesting number is 0.06%. And so DOD says that 0.06% of defense contracts will have CMMC level 4 and 0.06% of defense contracts will have uh, CMMC level 5. And so that's some interesting numbers to think about. So when you're uh, you know trying to figure out uh, what number of CMMC you want to get. We have the 15,000 cleared defense contractor figure for what DOD thinks is level three. And then they're also figuring that 
0.06% of defense contracts will have uh, CMMC level 4 and 0.06% of defense contracts will have CMMC level 5. And so utilize those data points uh, in making your determination. But the interesting thing that sort of goes in line with uh, a level 4 and a level 5 is how is DOD going to select that? Now based on the earlier webinar from Mizzy, uh, the Maryland Innovation and Security Institute, uh, Katie Arrington was giving a talk and mentioned uh, hypersonics and critical technologies. And that would be the line for level five. Um, so if you're building a hypersonic weapon or something, uh, that's an indication that you got level five. Uh, but what happens when um, it's a critical technology or a high value asset, so to speak, and it's not easy to tell? And why do I bring that up? Well, level four and level five both contain uh, practices from this special publication 800-171B, which are the enhanced security requirements for critical programs and high value assets. And those are designed to, to handle uh, controlled unclassified information, but also to protect against advanced persistent threats, APTs. Now, if we go to this document in the glossary, it tells us the definition they're using of an advanced persistent threat, which is an adversary that possesses sophisticated levels of expertise and significant resources, which allow it to create opportunities to achieve its objectives by using multiple attack vectors, including, for example, cyber, physical, and deception. These objectives typically include establishing and extending footholds within an IT infrastructure of the targeted organizations for purposes of exfiltrating information, undermining or impeding critical aspects of a mission, program, or organization, or positioning itself to carry out these objectives in the future. And so when we're talking about APTs, we're not talking about your uh, hacker who's uh, trying to get a thousand dollars in Bitcoin from the mom-and-pop shop down the street We're talking about folks who are using uh, uh, Advanced techniques to get inside of your networks and they may be nation-states They may be proxies and they may be intricate hacking networks of cyber criminals But that is what uh, they're thinking with levels four and level five and uh, when we think about um, critical programs and high-value assets um that might be an indication of what DOD is thinking when they're they're going to be selecting a level four or a level five. So how does Department of Defense go about selecting a level four, for example, as a as opposed to a level three uh, requirement as a go no go threshold? Now, if we go back to the document itself, level three has uh, three processes. Level four has four processes. And level three has a hundred and thirty practices, and level four has a one hundred and fifty-six practices. So we're adding to the cost. We're adding uh, to the scope of what a company is going to be required to achieve to to get this certification. And the reason I bring that up is small business contracting. Now going back to the uh, the CMMC accreditation body, it sounds like the database of, of contractors and their CMMC levels will be something that they build and house. Presumably, it will be non-public. But if during market research, Department of Defense acquisition personnel go to this uh, database and they uh, see that there are a number of uh, businesses, small businesses at a level three, uh, whereas there are maybe 
two or three small businesses at a level four. And during this market research, they realize, you know what? If I put this at a CMMC level four, I can say that this rule of two is not satisfied because given the uh, research you do based on their website and their capabilities, it doesn't seem like it, they can do the work. Now they have reason to take a program that may or may not have been already set aside for small business and put it unrestricted. Now that's not to say that this will happen a lot, but as a government contracts and cybersecurity attorney focusing on helping small to mid-sized government contractors, uh, this is something that came to mind. And so what are the parameters, what guidance are the Department of Defense going to be creating to help uh, acquisition personnel make that determination? Now, again, if it's a critical technology or a hypersonic or something that's obviously a high value asset or, or a critical program, uh, that is uh, the easy selection. Go to level five, you're building a sub, you're the prime. Uh, but what if you're not in that position and it's a little bit more difficult to understand or difficult to discern uh, what are the parameters for choosing this? Because small businesses are going to be making cost trade-offs. Do I get a level three or do I get a level four? How many more uh, practices? As I, as I mentioned earlier, it's 130 practices versus 156 practices. So what are those additional 26 practices going to add to my cost? And so when, when the small businesses are out there making these trade-off decisions as to what, what they really want to seek for in terms of getting a CMMC rating, uh, that'll be part of the calculus. And so it'll be helpful to have guidance, I think, from the Department of Defense uh, for what they're pushing out to the acquisition personnel for when to select uh, specifically maybe a level three uh, versus a level four. Because again, we're, it's to protect controlled and classified information. You're having these controls in place, but at level four, you're now thinking about uh, guarding against advanced persistent threats. And so that's something that came into my mind. Now, DOD said, look, hey, uh, we're going to be working with Defense Acquisition University to make some CUI training to, to push out to program managers and contracting officers, and that's great. But at the end of the day, if you're a small business, this could be a real risk, particularly where we're talking about set-asides, uh, you know, where the agency uh, does their market research and they can find two or more small businesses that are responsible, that can perform the work at fair market price. They've got to set it aside for small business. Uh, but on the other hand, if the DOD does their market research and it doesn't look like there are many small businesses at a level four, uh, can they justify putting it unrestricted on that basis? And so uh, an additional thing to think about coming out of these webinars, uh, as we learn more information and as uh, things are unearthed, uh, it, is, it is something that bubbles to the mind and, and brings uh, about podcast episodes and blog posts from the whole of the de defense industrial base to figure out like what are we really going to be thinking about here. Uh, but again, um, there's a lot of information from this webinar. Again, CMMCAB has signed the MOU. It sounds like there's going to be a marketplace with a bunch of things on it, including uh, signing up for training, getting assessed, um, a database of contractors of sorts. Uh, remember, they're going to be coming to your office to do these assessments to buy down the risk of foreign ownership and uh, shell companies, and there are no currently third cert, uh, certified third-party assessors. And, and, and for the CMMC, likewise, look, 15 Pathfinder contracts this fall. They're still on target. Uh, they're making the rules. They're going to have a proposed rule hopefully coming out in the next month or two. Uh, OTAs and SIBRs are going to be uh, subject to the, to the CMMC requirement. Uh, and again, at the levels of one through five, the DOD, based on this 300,000 number, are saying, A, there's not going to be a level two in an RFP. Uh, 
some 99 to 95% of defense contractors will probably have either a level one or a level two. Uh, this 15,000 cleared defense contractors is the line for level three, and some 0.06% of defense contracts will have CMMC level four, and another 0.06% of defense contracts will have CMMC level five. Uh, but again, uh, what is DOD going to be utilizing to make that determination to use a level 4 over a level 3 when it's not as clear as the hypersonic type of contract or the uh, tanker contract or the bomber contract or the sophisticated satellite communications uh, or, or other type of contracts that are coming out of the Department of Defense? And so that's something that we're hoping to, re to uh, receive some guidance on. And so with that... I, I want to give a shout out again to the GovCon Chamber of Commerce and Neil McDonald. They're at GovConChamber.com. Uh, the full webinar is up there. Again, if you're looking for information from the PTACs, uh, Miss Sherry Savage uh, provided a lot of helpful information. And, and the folks from industry who are on the, the webinar as well were very informative, insightful. And lastly, uh, thanks again to Emily Harmon, Jonathan Hart, and Ben McMartin for donating their time to answer some of my questions. I think you might have heard my daughter scream in the background. We are, again, <laughs> in isolation here, so to speak. So with that, I really want to thank you for joining us on the GovCon Judicata podcast. Till next time. All right, everyone. Thank you for joining us on this edition of the GovCon Judicata podcast. My name is Joshua Duvall, and I want to thank our sponsor, Matross Edwards, Government Contracts and Cybersecurity Attorneys. We really hope you enjoyed the show today, and if you did, please give us a follow on LinkedIn and Twitter, at GovCon Judicata. For more content, you can also visit the blog, GovConJudicata.com, and for more episodes, you can always check out GovConJudicatapodcast.com. Thanks again, and we look forward to seeing you next time on the GovCon Judicata Podcast.